Welcome to Baptist Without an Adjective, a podcast of Word and Way. I'm your host, Word and Way editor and president, Brian Kaler. On this program, we'll hear from Baptists from across the denominational, ethnic, national, and ideological lines that too often divide us. At Word and Way, we've been informing and inspiring Baptists since 1896. Learn more about us at wordandway.org. This episode is sponsored in part by the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. The Cooperative Baptist Fellowship is a network of people and churches working together to spread the hope of Christ. For more than 25 years, CBF has been driven by its mission to serve Christians and churches as they discover and fulfill their God-given mission. Join the fellowship at work in long-term global missions in more than 25 countries. Join them too as they strive to form healthy congregations and support the ministers that serve them. Put your faith to action. Visit cbf.net to get connected. In this episode, I want to build on some previous episodes that we've had thinking this year about Confederate monuments, their place, and what they honor, and the theology behind them. And particularly, if you want to get caught up, episode 136 back in August included some highlights from Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove from an earlier episode and Ryan Andrew Newson also from an earlier episode this year, thinking about these monuments theologically and what they mean. And that episode included some testimony that I gave before a local commission thinking about a Confederate monument here where I live in Jefferson City, Missouri. And I think one of the big issues that keeps coming back up in thinking about these monuments is, is what is their purpose? And that is that they're really about honor, not about history. And so how can we change who and what we honor in our society is a really important question. And so I want to play some highlights from a couple of different places First, we're going to go to Stone Mountain, Georgia. If you're not familiar with Stone Mountain, that is really, frankly, the largest Confederate monument as they're on the side of the mountain and literally carved the faces of Confederate leaders. And of course, it has been targeted for changes as this massive monument honoring the Confederacy and its lost cause. So there's a group called the Stone Mountain Action Coalition that once these Confederate flags and honors removed from that mountain. And one of the things that they did is they held a prayer event there on October 6th. The individuals for the rally climbed up to the top of the mountain and up there on top of the mountain above was carved Confederate generals there with the Confederate flag and Confederate plaques around them. They held a prayer event praying that God could transform this mountain. And what they would really like to do is to remove these Confederate honors, to turn this back to a place focused on geology and forestry and the park's natural wonders there of the mountain. And so I want to play two highlights from that prayer service that was live streamed on Facebook, and you can find it by looking for the Stone Mountain Action Coalition. The event included several ministers from different faith traditions, including two Baptists, both of them African-Americans. And the first one we're going to hear from is a few minutes of prayer from Sianta Harris. She is the pastor of outreach and community development at Greater Piney Grove Baptist Church. Dear gracious God, we thank you for being God, for being God of the heaven above and the earth below for being the God of this very mountain in which we stand on. 
God, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that you have extended to us this day for a day we've never seen before and one we'll never see again. We thank you for giving us the strength to walk up these few steps of this mountain and to be in a place once upon a time that we were not welcomed. God, we thank you for your love that you've shown all through the books of scripture and all through your spirit, through your persons. We thank you for the love that you continue to show and have shown to us through our neighbors and friends. God, as I stand here, I stand here, God, just excited for the work that you are doing in the midst of us, God. God, we thank you that you truly are a God of unity, God, a God of oneness, oh God. We thank you that you want us to be one in spirit, one in mind, one in heart, to be able to do the work that you've called us to do. God, I thank you and I thank you that you've given us the mandate to focus on that which unites us and not which divides us. So God, as we stand here in Stone Mountain, we thank you. We thank you for the work that's being done by this organization. We thank you for the hearts that are here and the spirits that are here today. We pray for your spirit to reign, rule, and to rest with us as we continue to stand firm on our principles, oh God. We thank you that we all want faith. We all want love. We all want peace. We all want security. We all want the pursuit of happiness. So God, help us. Help us. Help us, O oh Lord, to come together with bowed heads and to put ourselves together to better our community for those who are going to live beyond us. We thank you for what's happening in this place. And we thank you for the grace that you are going to give and are giving now to help us keep on keeping on in the name of justice and unity. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your guidance. We thank you for every person that's walking up and down this park with their beautiful hues, whether it's light as crystal or kissed by the sun. We thank you that you are a God of variety, but you're not a God of confusion, but you're a God of peace, that you are a God of power, that you are a God of love, that you are a God of justice, and we thank you that you are our God and that you love us. Be with us this day as we commune together. Allow us to come together for what we need to do, for what is right, for what is just, and what is holy. We thank you for the grace of, of love you've given us. We thank you for the one that was trumpeting salvation and trumpeting justice and righteousness. We thank you for the work that you're continuing to do. Be with us all, those in our schools, those in our government, those in law enforcement. Protect them. Protect us all. Allow us to make great choices that you'll be pleased with. In the name of the one who stood for justice, who stood for peace, who stands continually for love, do we pray. Amen and ashe. And then later in the service, Stephen Dial, pastor at Rainbow Park Baptist Church in nearby Decatur, Georgia, also prayed. And before that, he offered some remarks about love, and that was what he was going to primarily be praying about. And so instead of his prayer, I'm actually going to play some of his remarks here as he was thinking about love and what that would look like in a time like this and even in a place like that there on top of Stone Mountain. And I believe that when Elohim, the creator, created all of us, he created all of us with the capacity to see love and to enjoy love and to give love to one another. And I think that some people, it's harder for them to exemplify what is easy for us. And so my prayer is going to be that all of us 
become so contagious with love that those who don't see love the way we see love, that our love can rub off on them and they can see the beauty of loving people who don't look like them, who do not talk like them, who do not act like them, who not, probably don't even share the same values or the same morals. But we all can share love. That's one thing all of us can do. And that's my prayer. And this whole what we're trying to do is just come together and have love. So very quickly, the Apostle Paul says something that I think is very apropos. He simply says, if eating meat in front, in front of my brother offends my brother, I'm going to eat meat. So some things we do offends other people. And if I have love, I would never want to offend you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable. If I love you. And then the Bible tells us in that chapter, in the book of Corinthians, the love chapter, and it says, now these three, what? Remove. Faith, hope, and love. And he says, the greatest of these three is what love. In order to build this great emphasis here that we enjoy and we come up this mountain and play golf out here, people have to have a vision of faith. And faith and their hope brought this about. But what would keep it together is love. So a hundred years from now, other people after we're going on to be with the Lord, that they will feel a place of love. Because the Bible tells us that love never ends. Even when we're gone, love continues on and on. And now I want to return to Jefferson City, Missouri and the Confederate monument that several of us here in the community have been trying to get removed so that we are no longer honoring a Confederate traitor and enslaver. After a couple of commissions, the Human Relations and the Historic Preservation ones recommended its removal, it went to the full city council. I played my earlier testimony before the Historic Preservation Committee back in episode 136, in which I, I tried to talk about why this needed to be removed because monuments inherently are about honor and not history. And one of the things that I did in that testimony was not name the individual that our monument names. Everyone in the conversation knows who he is. His name, his name is on the plaque and everyone is uttering his name. But I, I'm trying to change this idea of, of not giving him even more honor and so instead of his name, I referred to him each time as traitor and enslaver to, to reframe who he is, to make sure that we recognize who he really was and what it is that we are honoring. And so I do that again in my testimony before the full city council on September 21st. But because I knew that there were others in the community that are doing a great job of talking about the historical inaccuracies of our marker, I knew that that wasn't something that I needed to focus on. And so I decided to instead really lean into thinking about what does it mean when we're honoring someone and who's being left out of our honoring. And so that's what I decided to try to transform this moment into something else, much like that prayer rally on top of Stone Mountain, to try to transform this profane space back into a sacred land. I was trying to change the city council from a discussion about confederate history and you know whether or not we should or should not be honoring this person to rather instead make it a moment where we actually honor some individuals that we have ignored and even erased from our history 
And so here's my testimony from that city council meeting. My name is Brian Kaler, and I'm a Baptist minister who grew up in Jefferson City and returned to once again call the city home. And I want to thank you for considering this important issue. Others have addressed the historical inaccuracies with our monument to a Confederate traitor and enslaver, so I will do something different. Because monuments are not about history, but honor. That is why you will not find memorials to Adolf Hitler across Germany, but we all still learn about his evils. Likewise, we do not need a monument honoring a traitor and enslaver to learn about the evils of the Confederacy or its lost cause of enslaving black people. So removing this marker will not be rewriting or erasing history. It will be removing an honor to a traitor and enslaver. But if we are concerned about erasing history, let us turn to those too often forgotten. You see, we have honored this traitor and enslaver long enough. For nearly 90 years, we have had a monument to him, and unfortunately, it will stay there for at least a bit longer. But what about those erased by our history? Do you know how many people he enslaved? Do you know their names? Do you know where they are buried? Do you know of any monuments honoring them? That is what it means to erase history. To pretend this traitor and enslaver is worthy of honor adds to our history of forgetting those he enslaved. We should say their names. Unfortunately, they are mostly erased. Lost to history like millions of other black men, women, and children held in bondage in this nation. Too often, their names are forgotten, their graves unmarked or overgrown, their lives ignored. But their lives mattered. So I checked the U.S. Census data for a glimpse into how many people were held in bondage by the traitor and enslaver we honor. In 1840, 17 persons. In 1850, 19 persons. In 1860, 12 persons. There are imprecise ages listed along with sex, but no names. And even if we match up the ages from those different censuses and assume that those are the same people, though they may not be, that gives us a total of at least 29 persons enslaved by the traitor and enslaver we honor. The number is likely higher, as the census data is only an imprecise snapshot every 10 years, but it's at least 29. And while I do not know most of their names, and many are likely lost forever to history. I was able to find the names of two people enslaved by the traitor and enslaver we honor, a man named Henry and a man named Adam, who after the war was known as Adam Tucker. Adam was even forced to serve the traitor and enslaver we honor during the war. That means he was probably here on the outskirts of our city. Perhaps he was even standing there when the decision was made to retreat but we do not honor him on our dumb rock. So it is time for us to remember those that we have too often erased from the story, and I will use the remainder of my time to honor them. Since I cannot call out their names, I will instead knock 29 times, one time for each of those held in bondage by the traitor and enslaver we honor. And as I do, please reflect on the fact that each knock represents a life. 
Each knock represents a person who had their labor and dignity stolen by this traitor and enslaver we honor. Each knock represents someone trapped in an evil institution that left them vulnerable to rape, torture, and murder. And each knock represents a reason why you should remove this dishonorable monument. Henry, Adam Tucker. So take it down. Take it down for them. Take it down for us. Now, the city council actually decided not to vote, even before all the testimony. They had decided that they would not vote on that day, give the committee members more time to think about this event. They held two different committee meetings of the council members, on October 7th and on October 8th. October 7th was a little bit of an irony because that was the 156th anniversary of the event. The decision by the Confederates to retreat, and yet somehow we still honor them for that retreat, for losing the battle. And so on the anniversary of that event, city council members were debating whether or not we should honor the Confederates for that moment, for that day. Uh, someone went and put a big sign on the rock that day as well as some flowers and the sign said on this day the confederates turned away october 7th 1864 and then has a couple of american flags drawn on the sign and then there was another discussion of city council members the next morning both of these i attended virtually i spoke briefly during the second one to talk about the problem of trying to just add more historical context to the rock because it doesn't change the fact that it still honors someone who we should not be honoring. So hopefully later this month, they'll actually vote to remove it. It looks like the city council members, we have a majority there. I'm hopeful that we will actually take this action. But I wanted to play all of these clips because I think it's important. As Ryan Andrew Newsom said back in episode 131 on the theology of Confederate monuments, and I had played part of that clip also in episode 136, he talked about the need to mess with the theology behind these monuments, that it's not enough just to remove them. We also need to remove the theology behind them. And I think the clips are about doing that. I was fascinated by the idea of a prayer event. They're literally on a Confederate monument to pray for God to, to change the, the landscape there of that mountain. And that's also what I was trying to do at the city council meeting was to expose the theology behind the monument and to to turn this governmental meeting into a chance to finally honor those that we have erased from history and to call out their names and not the names of those that we have been honoring that we shouldn't be honoring. So I hope that these are maybe interesting, inspiring to you as you look at ways to, to reflect on your own community and who's being honored and what's being honored and how can we challenge the theology of white supremacy in our own communities and the way that it's being honored. 
Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Baptist Without an Adjective. As always, you can find us at wordandway.org, and I hope that you'll check out our sponsoring partner for this week's episode, the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship at cbf.net. If you've enjoyed this episode, I hope that you will share it with your friends on Facebook and head over to iTunes or your favorite podcast platform and write a positive review to help more people to find the show. It really does help. You can find easy-to-share links at podcast.wordandway.org. If you'd like to give to support this program, we greatly appreciate it, especially during these unusual times of coronavirus. It would really help us. And so all you have to do at wordandway.org is hit the donate button. And whatever you give there, we support the production of this podcast, as well as our website and monthly magazine. And speaking of that magazine, if you're not a subscriber, I have a special offer for you. Half off your first year, just go to tinyurl.com slash wwoffer. If you have any comments or feedback about this program, you can send those to me at bkaler at wordandway.org. Thanks for listening.